Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma crew. Thanks for joining me today on Mind Your Own Karma, the Adoption Chronicles. I have to be real with you. I had a hard time figuring out if I wanted to talk about this subject today. But one of the reasons that I do this podcast is to educate the world. And I had no idea that this story existed, this true story that I'm going to tell you today. Maybe I've just been under a rock and everybody else has heard about it. I don't know, but I just have to retell it. When I was interviewing Rick Feltner a few weeks ago, he told me about this story and sent me a YouTube video of the Irish Laundries. And if you've never heard of the Irish Laundries, this one was specifically mostly about one in two them. They were literally jails that they would put unwed pregnant mothers in. These laundries existed up into the 1990s, very recent, and it's just unbelievable. So I will tell you that story in a minute, but I just want to reiterate that the other passion that I have for doing this podcast is bringing the triad together. And this was not only an atrocity that was forced upon unwed mothers, but it was also forced on their children who were basically being kidnapped and sold. I will warn you, there is a lot of triggering content in what I'm about to talk about today, but I hope that you hang in there because we need to be educated on these things that have happened So when Ireland gained its independence from England in 1922, basically the church, the Catholic church kind of took over the morality of Ireland. And back then Ireland was a very poor country. And so the only thing they had was their purity. So that was their independence from England. England might have more money than us, but we have the purity over here in Ireland. And Ireland took that very seriously. The state, the religious sect, and the people of Ireland all had great pride in the purity that they were going to bring to this country. So when these unplanned pregnancies would come up to unwed mothers, what was Ireland going to do about that? So they erected these laundries that were run by the Catholic Church. And many times these women were turned in by their own families and they were condemned from the altar, from the Catholic priest, just like a criminal offense, all because they were pregnant. These women were considered morally contagious and therefore had to be hidden from society so that they would not infect anyone else. These women had to perform hard labor because the Catholic Church believed that that was a way for them to admonish their sin of being pregnant. One such place didn't call the women by their first name. They were all called Magdalens, just like Mary Magdalene in the Bible. And their names were Magdalene with a number after it. Literally, they were nobody. And even after the child was born, they still had to stay in there. And if they tried to escape, they were literally tracked down and taken back like a criminal to these laundries. And Ireland allowed 
the Catholic Church to dictate social policy there. And the young country's people followed their lead. The church was the law. They literally used legal terminology as if these women were criminals, and they would call them first-time offenders or repeat offenders if they got pregnant more than one time and were not married. One of the stories they told in the documentary was of a woman who started out in a juvenile detention center for being pregnant, and then she was later taken to the mother-baby home in Tuam, where her baby was born, and she was incarcerated there in the laundries for 15 years. And she finally escaped at age 34, and she said that she wrote to her missing son every single month. Now, her son stayed in the laundries and actually started school because he was not adopted until he was five and a half years old. But he said that he literally ran from her because he was raised to be ashamed of her. And he remembers going to school there and being called the bastard child at school because of his mother being unwed. So he lived there until he was five and a half. They would do these adoption events, and he said it was like a supermarket. There was lots of children and people would come by and look at them and pick which one they wanted. He literally called it a live supermarket. I just don't understand how people think that that's okay. How would you feel standing there wanting a family so bad, but also feeling like a can of beans sitting on a shelf? that dented can that nobody wants because maybe you're too old and they want a baby. How demoralizing and humiliating those children that were old enough to comprehend what was happening, how they must have felt. So finally, this little guy at five and a half gets picked to be adopted and his mother literally cut a big lock of her child's hair And she kept it for 30 years until they were reunited and she gave him back the hair that she kept and he showed it in the video. And he said his mother felt like that was their link to still being together if she had some of his hair. But this poor woman spent 15 years in this laundry all because she became a pregnant, unwed girl. And these babies were literally being kidnapped by the Catholic Church and sold to mostly Irish or American parents. And just be warned, I watched a few videos that were talking about this on YouTube, and one of them actually showed a couple and their children that they had already had there at the adoption agency, if that's what you want to call it. And they brought in a baby and apparently they would bring in like four and let you choose which one you wanted. And they were discussing, oh, is this one good? Do you want this one? And I'm just looking at this baby and I'm like, how do you have the right to take that child from its mother? Their mother still wants them. You forced their mother to sign documents to hand their children over so that you could make money. And the other thing is the Irish government would give the adopters money for these children. So a lot of them were quote unquote adopted, but basically worked as slaves for the family in whatever capacity that they wanted them to. The whole thing is just so unbelievable. I'm watching this documentary and I'm just, 
shaking my head. And I just kept getting the chills the entire time because this was recent. This was recent. This was still happening over there. But in Ireland, illegitimate equaled illegal. And I guess they felt the right to do whatever they wanted. But what was really illegal was the adoption trade of the religious institutions and the Catholic Church because adoption equaled money for them. So kidnapping and selling children, illegitimate children, was legal because by becoming pregnant, you were doing something illegal and they were taking care of it. And these poor girls, even if they were able to get out, had nowhere to go. Most of them were going to England and trying to escape there because their families didn't even want to take them back in because that was going to be an impure mark on them if they took you back in. And that was one of the stipulations if you got out was you had to have somewhere to go. And they knew that these girls had nowhere to go. One story that was told in the documentary was of a lady named Terry, and she said that in 1973, she was 18 and pregnant in Ireland, and she was able to flee to her aunt's house in England, but Ireland's clergy came and got her in England, took her by force, and brought her back into a mother-baby home, literally made her go. And basically, it was legalized kidnapping. It was called the Crusade of Rescue. So they were legally kidnapping these women, even in other countries, and bringing them back. This was an Irish Catholic organization who hunted down these women, these fallen women, and brought them back to their natural soil to be persecuted, basically, in these homes. And the sad thing is, Terry is almost 100% sure that her aunt the one that she fled to in England, turned her in, most likely, with her mother's consent. No one in her family ever talks about it or asks her whatever happened to her. What was it like in there? Nothing. Like it never happened. Terry even escaped from the home, but was again turned in by her mother and returned to another home where she gave birth to a son. And six days after he was born, the nuns forced her to sign adoption papers. And it's reported in this documentary that 35,000 children were adopted or what I want to call kidnapped in this way, all in the 21st century. All of this I've told you so far is horrible. And I still can't believe that this was happening up into the 1990s. But what's even more tragic is the death rate of these babies in these laundries were five to six times that of babies in married households. And why is that? There are stories of neglect of all kinds, not only shelter and food, but just even of changing diapers that some of these children had their diapers literally rotting off of them because no one was changing them. And the one documentary that I'm going to put the link in the show notes was called Ireland's Children of Shame. And this was the laundry that was in Tuam, where children there were called the spawn of the devil because their parents were not married. You couldn't even get a divorce in Ireland until 1995. And abortion wasn't even legal until December of 2018. 
you can't help but wonder if they didn't make abortion legal because they were making money off of these children left and right. There is no indication of how much money the Catholic Church made off of kidnapping these illegitimate spawn of the devil babies. And as if nothing I have said so far isn't horrific enough, the deaths of these children just in this one tuum laundry were astronomical. And they found a record of 795 deaths of children nine and under that are unaccounted for. And what do I mean by that? They have no record of where these children are buried. And none of the local cemeteries have record of any of these children. There is speculation and some evidence that there may be a mass grave on the site where the laundry used to be. And I don't want to get into the details of that here, but people have witnessed what might be human remains on those grounds. But it seems that the government just doesn't want to really talk about it. They have announced that they're going to investigate, but none has been done as far as what was said in the documentary. Although when I googled, it did say that they were going to exhume that plot on the property in 2023. But I could find nowhere where they have actually started doing that yet. Of course, there's lots of denying that there is a mass grave on the property. But then where are these children. And if it's true that there is a mass grave here of these children and babies, it just makes me sick that someone thought that these children were so less than that they did not deserve a respectful grave or a proper burial. I don't know how a person can live with themselves doing something like that to an innocent child. The whole thing is just unbelievably disgusting. I can't even think about people doing this to other people, let alone children. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about the Magdalene laundries, where I said that all the women were stripped of their names and they were called Magdalene with a number after their name. One of the women in one of the documentaries that I was listening to she said, they took my identity, they took my life, they took my name, they took my human rights, they took my clothes, they took my hair, but worst of all, they took my daughter. This woman looked to be maybe in her 70s and just so heartbroken. At the Magdalene Laundry, they would dress the women all the same they would cut their hair all the same. And they would do this because if they tried to escape, they stood out. What does this remind you of? It just screams handmade tales to me. This is the true handmaid's tale. And over 10,000 Irish women and girls lived and worked in the Magdalene laundries from 1922 to 1996. And one woman that stayed there said that she had escaped and they caught her and brought her back and that she spent 
as she put it, some time, she didn't say how long, in the dormitories. And the dormitories were basically like solitary confinement. That was your punishment for escaping, literally like prison for just getting pregnant. And let's address the huge elephant in the room, which is the other half of the equation. What happens to the unwed fathers of these children? These women didn't get pregnant by themselves. No, there are no homes. There are no laundries for the unwed fathers. They get to walk off scot-free. And if that doesn't make you angry, then you're just not even human. And the people of Ireland just walked like blind sheep behind the Catholic Church and allowed this to happen to their daughters, their sisters, their granddaughters, and these women's babies. And no one stood up for them. Except there was one great story in one of the documentaries that I was listening to that I want to share with you. There was a woman who was married and had three young boys that lived near the Magdalene laundries. And she applied for a job at the laundries there one day and she got the job. Well, as she was working there, some of the women confided in her and were telling her of the horrible conditions and all of the stories of what was actually happening at the Magdalene laundries. And this woman could not get these stories out of her mind. She would go home and tell her husband and her young boys of the horrific things that were happening. And so sweet, her boys were just like, Mom, we have to do something. We have to help these women. We have to help these girls. What can we do? And they sat there and brainstormed with the children what they could do to get these women out of there. And they hatched a very in-depth plan on how they were going to get some of those women out of there and rescue them. And they involved their boys in the plan. And it was so great because these two brothers of the three were on and they were so excited about telling this story that they were even still so giddy about it, even just talking about it now, years and years and years later. And their mom would go into work and she knew what time of day deliveries would come and things. And so she would get three or four women together and rush them out. And then her son would be like at a halfway point and he would take them and they would run out to their van. They had a VW van and one of the sons would throw the door open and everybody would just jump inside. And, you know, those VW vans are small. So they had the three boys three young girls in this little VW van. And there's some pretty big windows in those vans. So they all had to lay flat and as they would drive and then they would drive around the laundry and then they drove right past the front door to their house. And again, one of the boys would jump out and open the front door so that they would have a straight run into the house so nobody would see them. And it just sounded like so handmade tales. I was just like, wow. And they just were elated to be able to rescue some of these women. What great young men that these two parents were raising. And what a story they have to tell now that they got to do this. 
And the women would stay there. They had no idea at that time how they were going to get them to England to safety. So the women would stay there for a while and they had such great memories of spending time with them. And finally, the dad figured out a way to get them on a train, I believe it was, to get them to England. I don't know if they ever heard from these women again after that, but such a great story. So they were able to get not a lot of women out, if I remember right, but some. One day, the powers that be were like, how are these women getting out of here? They couldn't figure out how. And they finally deduced that their mother was really the only outside person that was working there and that it had to be her. So they ended up letting her go. But the boys still remember their mom getting the resignation letter from the Magdalene Laundry, and she read it to them. And the boys said they just laughed. They just laughed and their mom went and got Guinness beer and she opened it and how it just like shot up and like ruined their ceiling. And they just sat there and laughed about what they had done. And I think this family saved maybe 10 girls. I can't remember if they've recalled a number. It wasn't a dent in the 10,000 that had gone through those doors, but wow, they did what they could. And I'm sure thinking about the women that they saved, even if it was just one, how that affected the rest of her life. But what a great story. I just loved it. The world would be a much better place with a bunch of those type of men in it. I will put a couple of these YouTube documentary links in the show notes so that if you are interested in watching, it is very interesting. But if you are in a fragile area in your adoption journey right now, you might want to cautiously watch. I have a lot of interviews coming up for you all. Lots of adoptees, and I also have a birth mother coming on that is an adoptee also, so I'm super excited about that. I have some people that have some interesting healing modalities um, that is woven into their adoption stories that I get to come tell you about. Just so much going on right now, so super excited about these that are coming up. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, I would appreciate if you would subscribe to the show on your listening platform and if you would rate and review it. If you are ready to tell your story, then contact me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com and let's get your story on the podcast. If you want to know more about me and the podcast, you can go to my website, mindyourownkarma.com. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.